Generations Church Podcast. Please, parents, we will be doing communion at the very end of service today, so don't leave. Um, I know we try to beat the rush out of the auditorium and out of the parking lot and get to lunch quick, but we will be doing lunch corporate. I mean, lunch corporately. You're like, awesome. Um, it's kind of a snack. Uh, we'll be doing communion corporately together. Um, so uh, we will be doing communion uh, as a body uh, today at, just at the end of service. Today, I want to go through a couple of things. Today's one of my favorite weeks. I love the week of Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. Um, Thanksgiving, it's right there with Christmas for me because you don't have the, the, the headache of gifts. You don't have to make sure your kids got everything equal, that you spent the same on that one as you did this one, and everybody, you didn't forget to get your wife something in the process of everything, man, and you actually got her something that she's not going to take back, and it was thoughtful, and it wasn't a gift card. Don't get them a gift card. I'm just telling you. And be like, oh, you can buy me a Visa gift card. That's it. Um, unless she tells you that. If she tells you that, double check it. Be like, now, now are you sure you just want a gift card? Double check it. I'm just helping you guys. But... Today is a week of Thanksgiving. I love it because it's a week of gluttony um, that we just get around and we're okay with it. Let's just be honest. And so as we get ready to go into this um, holiday that I love, I want us to have a few few rules of engagement this week um, when it comes to Thanksgiving, a few rules that I actually came up with on my own about it is appropriate to do these things in Thanksgiving um, just so that you enjoy Thanksgiving to the fullest. The first rule of engagement for Thanksgiving is this, is that it is totally appropriate to eat dessert first. I'm just letting you know, if you're wondering, go for dessert first. There's always going to be plenty of turkey and mashed potatoes and all that stuff, but dessert goes quick. So if you want to start with dessert, it's totally fine. Um, you are good to eat dessert first. If you are cutting the turkey, if you are the one carving the turkey, it's totally okay to sample as much of the bird as you want to make sure there's no salmonella for everyone else. You're taking one for the team. Just keep telling them that because you're the one burning your fingers off cutting that bird anyways, right? Um, third thing is this. This is very, now we're getting into the nitty-gritty of it. Kids can go first as long as they aren't a teenager. Once you hit 13, sorry, Charlie, you turned 13 this year. You are with all the other masses just surviving to get enough food. And older people can go first as long as they're over the age of 70. Otherwise, you're just sandbagging. You ain't, you ain't old. You, you, you just sandbagging. You need to get along in line with everyone else. Number four, vegetables. With the exception of mashed potatoes and gravy and green bean casserole. Just throwing it out there. Vegetables are just filler. Don't fall for it. Um, <laughs> you can eat vegetables the rest of your life. This is not, here's my, my whole 
tagline for Thanksgiving. If it ain't brown, it ain't going down. I'm just letting you know. If it ain't brown, it ain't going down. Just live by that motto, and you can think. In fact, tag me on Facebook, Thanksgiving. If it ain't brown, if you, there's green on your plate, I don't want to see it. If it ain't brown, it ain't going down. Hashtag bless life. Um, and number five, if you don't bring any food to the gathering, you absolutely do not get to take leftovers home with you. I'm just telling you, right? If somebody shows up to your house with no food and just Tupperware containers, tell them to turn around and take it back to their car. You are in totally appropriate and in the right. I, they got one free meal, they don't get a second. Just telling you, Thanksgiving leftovers are worth fighting for. It's always, always worth it. Um, this really is one of my favorite times of the year. It's one of my uh, favorite weeks of the year, but it's also a very confusing, it's turned into a very confusing day of the year because we gather around with our family and um, we, we get together and we, we eat, but more than that, more than the eating, we just are thankful for our family and our friends, and we're reflective this week, and just being thankful for all that God has done, and literally after we're done eating Thanksgiving dinner, we all rush out to Walmart and Best Buy, and we aren't thankful anymore, we're just trying to go after things that we really, really, really must have for our life, right? That's what we do. And we get in fight. You see it. It's going to happen. Just stay away from Walmart this week. I'm just telling you, just stay away from Walmart this week. But, but you, we're going to go, and there's going to be fights that break out. People are going to act like fools, and they're going to they're get mad. And that person got in front of me, and it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen all for the things of more. We've got to have more. We've got to have more. We've got to have more. And we, we, we stay thankful for about this long. And what I've noticed as us, as followers of Christ, we stay thankful for about this long, right? Until we're just focusing on the, well, what are you going to do next, God? What are you going to do next, God? What are you going to do next? And we're driven and we have, man, we've got ambition and we want to succeed and we want to accomplish great things. And there's got to be balance with being driven and being thankful. And in our drivenness and with us having ambition, where we have really failed and where we really struggle at as a society and really as followers of Christ is to be reflective and to be thankful. And so how do you become a thankful person, not just for a week and not just for a season, but for a lifetime. In fact, it says this in 1 Thessalonians, this is going to be our, our text for this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, and 18, it says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. If you can keep that up there just for a second. Here's what this verse is saying. If you are a follower of Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Christ, here's what God's will is, is that you would always be joyful, never stop praying, and that you would be thankful in all circumstances. And I want us to stop here because we read something in this text that's not there. And I talked about this in our series, Living the 518, when we did a series on just this verse for about four weeks. The Word of God is saying, be thankful in, not thankful for. 
And where some of us, well, I don't know how to be thankful for that. The Bible's not telling you to be thankful for being broke. The Bible's not telling you to be thankful for your relationships falling apart. The Bible's not telling you to be thankful for your bad health. It is saying, though, learn to be thankful in it. Learn to be a thankful person even when situations aren't what you wish they were. And for some of us today, this is going to be really difficult this week. Because this year's been a tough year. This year's been a year that you weren't expecting the situations that have happened to happen. And yet, that's the reality that you find yourself facing. This year, it's really hard to be thankful in all circumstances because you didn't want to be in this circumstance to begin with. So how do you live that out? How do you become this thankful person in all circumstances. How do we live out being thankful no matter what we find ourselves in? I want to give us two things this morning. And the first thing is this. How do you live out 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is this, is that you don't let your blessings turn into your burden. You don't allow your blessings, the blessings of God, the things that you've prayed for, the things that you've wished for, the things that you've longed for to turn into your burden. Uh, Casey and I moved about a year ago this time, and in the process of moving, we really wanted to move to a house that had a ton of trees around, right? And I, I wanted a pool, and I wanted trees, and I thought it'd be awesome, and it'd be incredible. And there's a reason they call it fall, because all the leaves in the fall fall. Um, I know, it's really complicated for us to grasp that reality, right? And um, Yesterday, I was outside cleaning the leaves out of the pool, and literally, I'm out there with the skimmer freezing my rear off. I'm out there cleaning all these leaves up, and right when I get done, whoosh, you felt the wind, whoosh, and I mean, it, it's like God just laughed, <laughs> bam, and threw all these leaves in my pool, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? And my daughters are watching me from the living room. They're not out there helping me. They're watching, and they start laughing, and I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me, and I come in, and Casey's like, are you tired of the leaves yet? And I'm like, no, I am not tired of the leaves. I will not complain about leaves because I have prayed for those leaves. I have prayed for this pool, I'm not going to gripe about cleaning leaves out of my pool. How spoiled can I be? Here's the deal, though. I am really good in that aspect of my life, but I'm not really good in all aspects of my life being that way. And if you and I aren't careful, the very things we've prayed for, the very blessings that God has sent our way become the burdens in our life, become the very things we start complaining about. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He says, it's only with gratitude that life becomes rich. It's only with gratitude, it's only by being thankful that you truly are rich. It doesn't come with more stuff. It doesn't come with more relationships. It's only with learning to be thankful that your life truly learns to become rich. This morning, um, our, we're going to turn our attention to Numbers chapter 11, verse 5 through 6, and I'm going to set up the text a little bit this morning. Um, but we all remember the Israelites. We remember um, them praying to God for 400 plus years that they would be delivered out of the oppression of being slaves 
of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And you know the story. I know the story. God sends Moses. There's this burning bush experience. Moses come forth and he sends Charlton Heston to go rescue all the Israelites, right? Um, and he's like, let my people go. And Pharaoh's not going to let the people go. And so uh, Moses, you know, says God's going to send 10 plagues. And boom, boom, boom. All the plagues come. Finally, the end plague, Pharaoh says, go, just leave. And as the Israelites are leaving, this is so cool to me, the Egyptians actually come out and give them all their wealth, give them all their gold, all their things. If you're wondering how did the Israelites have gold to make a golden cap, it's from all the gold that the Israel, I mean the Egyptians gave the Israelites as they're exiting Egypt. And so they're exiting and they come to the Red Sea. They go the long way because God had a plan and a purpose. It didn't make sense to Moses, but that's the way that God told Moses to go. They get to the Red Sea. What do they do? Oh, Moses, why'd you bring us out here, you big dummy? I can't believe that you would take this way when we could have gone that way. And Moses just like, just shut up, be still, and watch God do what only God can do. And all, you know the story, the Red Sea parts, you go through, you may be able to forget plagues because all of them didn't happen in Goshen, right, where the Israelites are hanging out. Like, they didn't happen in my hood, so I don't know, didn't see it, didn't really experience it, so I didn't really remember it. But they all crossed the Red Sea, Right? They all saw the Red Sea close and engulf Pharaoh's army. They get to the wilderness, and what happens? They start griping again, right? Their blessing starts to become their burden again. And they come to this place where they're like, we need water. God sends water. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, we can't just live on water. Now we need food. You brought us out here. We don't have food. And we pick up in Numbers chapter 4, verses 5 through 11, excuse me, Numbers 11, verses 5 through 6, and it says, we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, right? What? If I'm Moses, I'm like, what are you, you didn't eat fish for free? This was not like a free Long John Silvers. You were slaves, right? You didn't get the little crispies underneath your fit? No. You didn't eat no fish for free. And we had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. We wanted our breath smelled awesome. <laughs> it, was, it was a fantastic time, Moses. And verse 16, but, verse 6, but now our appetites are gone. We don't even want to eat. All we ever see is this, and I'm pretty sure that in the message it says stupid manna, um, but it doesn't. But all we ever see is this manna. We're tired of it. This is making us sick. Now, I want us to stop for a second. Here the Israelites are. I, I want you to picture this in your mind. They, they are in the wilderness. They have no food, and God sends food from heaven every morning. And the Bible actually describes it as sweet bread. When I hear sweet bread, I hear donuts. I don't know about you. So God is sending donuts on the ground. All around the camp are donuts or Hawaiian king rolls, right? I mean, let's be honest. I'm not talking whole grain wheat rolls. I'm talking white bread that is actually not GMO. It's healthy for you. It's organic because it's made from God, right? Organic good donuts. 
And they walk out, and it's like a donut palace every morning. And they get donuts, and they get Hawaiian king rolls. This is what manna is, right? It's this sweet bread that God has baked, and it's fresh. It's not day-old donuts that God's trying to pass off for something fresh. Because can I tell you, there is a difference between day-old donuts and fresh donuts. Let's just be honest and real. Yeah, somebody needs some freedom in this place on that. (laughs) He makes... Fresh donuts come down. Fresh manna come down. So I'm I'm sitting here, I'm reading this, and I'm like, how did the Israelites become manna mumblers, donut downers? How how do you become this person? And it's, it's really, how did their blessing turn into their burden? It's simple. They, they forgot to keep the miraculous things from becoming common things. They forgot to keep the miraculous things that God had done from becoming the common things. They got used to the blessings instead of allowing the blessings to still be the blessings. I love what people say. They say, uh, I say a complaining heart romanticizes the past and exaggerates the problems of the present. And that's what the Israelites were doing. They were romanticizing their past. Oh, it was so good. It was so great. Man, my life was so awesome. We didn't have any problems. We had free fish, free watermelon, free cucumbers, free onions, free everything was free at no cost, at no price. And they started exaggerating the problems of the present. They let the miraculous turn into commonplace. And I got news for you and me today. We do the same thing. We do. I'm guilty of it. I will allow the very blessings that I have asked, God, if you would just bless my life with this person. Man, God, if you would just give me this person, if I could just get a first date with this person, I wouldn't ask for another thing. Yes, you would. You'd ask for a second date. You know, that's what we do. God, God, if I just, man, God, let me find a wife, please, dear God. Dear God, help me find a spouse. And then what do we do? Dear God, why did you give me this person as a spouse? Right? Couldn't you have picked one better for me? You picked it. You're the one asking God. And and here's the deal. I I want every married person to hear me. Whether you're newly married or you've been married for over 50 years, that spouse is not your right. They are your gift. They are your blessing. And we take for granted the blessings and we let them turn into our burden if we're not careful. You're not owed a house. Can I tell you, the American dream is not the biblical dream. Let let that sink in. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you're going to have a house with a white picket fence, two cars, a dog, and you're never going to have a cat because that would not be in the Bible anyways. Um, No, that's not in the Bible. And we allow our, our, our thoughts, we allow the blessings. Of, my stupid house, you got a house. 
You, you've got to understand what you're just saying. I hate this stupid house. You have, you've allowed the miraculous to turn to commonplace. You've let your blessings that God has enabled to make happen that he didn't have to, to become your burden. You didn't have to be born in the greatest country there is in the world. I've been around the world quite a bit. This is by far the greatest country you can live in. You don't have to pay ta taxes. You get to pay taxes. You're in the top 4% of the world's population. Only 4% of the world lives in the United States of America. You don't have to. You get to. You are allowing your blessing to turn into your burden. And here's what James says. James chapter 1, verse 16 through 17, it says, Don't be deceived, my dear beloved brothers. Every good and every, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It's not from your own doing. It's not from you being smart enough. It's not from you deserving it. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And the challenge for us today, if we're going to live out 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18, to be joyful always, to never stop praying, to be thankful in all circumstances, for this is Christ's will for those who are in Christ Jesus. We can't allow our blessings to turn into our burden. We can't allow the miraculous to turn into commonplace. The second thing I would tell you is this, is that what you're counting determines if you give thanks or complaints. What you're counting determines if you give thanks or if you give complaints. There's a great movie, it's an old movie. I like old movies. Anybody else in here, you're an old movie person? Like, I could watch Turner Classic movies all day. I love black and white movies. I like White Christmas to watch White Christmas. And there's a song from there, uh, that movie called Count Your Blessings. I fall asleep counting my blessings. And the words, the words of that song say, say this. When I'm worried and I can't sleep, I count my blessings instead of sheep. And I fall asleep counting my blessings. When my bankroll is getting small, I think of when I had none at all, and I fall asleep counting my blessings. So if you're worried and you can't sleep, count your blessings instead of sheep, and you'll fall asleep counting your blessings. What are you counting? Are you counting? We talked last week about an apology. Is not really an apology if it's followed with a but or an if. Are you counting with the word if? I would be happy if. I would be thankful if. I would be content if. Because if so, you're counting the wrong way. You're never going to arrive to being this content and thankful person if there's always an if in your counting. You're counting the stuff instead of counting the blessings from the Creator. How are you counting? See, because it's, it's not happy people who are thankful, it's thankful people who are happy. And many times we get it wrong. Oh, if I was happy, then I'd be thankful. No, you wouldn't. It's thankful people who are happy people. And this morning, you and I, if we're going to truly live this out, man, we've got to start counting our blessings instead of counting what everybody else has. That, that's, that's where we miss it. Well, if I just, if my, my, life kind of looked like theirs a little bit more. If my situation looked a little bit more like theirs, if my car looked like theirs, my house and my stuff and my kids and my spouse and my job and everything else. But 
No, no, no. If you're going to be thankful in all circumstances, you got to make sure you're counting the right things. You got to make sure that you're counting the right things because one thing I've I understand is that your focus determines your praise. What you're focused on, what your what your what your gaze is on, what you're counting is going to determine what you make life all about. It says this in Psalms chapter 92 verse 1 through 2 it says it's good to say thank you to the Lord, to sing praises to the God who is above all gods. Verse 2, I love this. Every morning, tell him, thank you for your kindness, and every evening, rejoice in all his faithfulness. The Bible is giving you a way to live out 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Every morning, thank him for his kindness, and every evening, rejoice in all his faithfulness. A day that begins and ends with thanks and praise is a day that is not easily unraveled. And if you and I can learn to bookend our days with thanks and praise, I'm telling you, it will help you to become a thankful person. It says this in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. He's winding it down. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Place your thoughts there on purpose. Set it there. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Because we're just not real good at fixing our thoughts on what is good, on what is praiseworthy, on what's admirable. No, 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 we're good at fixing our thoughts on what went wrong. I can go throughout my day, I can come home, and if I had a flat tire, Casey says, hey, Justin, how was your day? It was awful, I got a flat tire. Right, that's what we do. It's what, it's what we say. Somebody hacked my bank account, but we don't talk about that we have a bank account and we had money in a bank account. No, 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 stinking little shifters, they totally broke into my bank account and took all my money, right? I understand, but you and I, we have a bank account, right? Most of the world would be like, you have money in a bank that you don't use. What? You're just sitting there? Man, fix your thoughts. So what do you do when you're not going through what's admirable? What do you do when what you're going through isn't lovely? What do you do when the lies want to get loud? Can I tell you, you've got to let the truth become louder, and you've got to fix your attention on what the Word of God says about your situation. If you're here today, and you say, man, Justin, my health, my health is failing, and, and it's just not what it is. This is what the Bible says in Psalm 73, 26. It says, my health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Your finances may be stressed. Man, your bank account may be low. You may not know how you're going to make it, but 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You may feel lonely. Maybe this is a holiday season. You just feel alone and lonely. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 24, the Lord 
Lord is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You may be going through hard times and trials and situations that doesn't feel lovely, that doesn't feel admirable, that doesn't feel praiseworthy. But Job 42, verse 1 of the message translation, Job comes to the end of losing it all. He's lost his kids. He's lost his finances. He's lost his house. It's all been wiped out. He's lost his health. And he says this, Job answered God, I am convinced you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. You may be tired. You may be worn out. But Jesus says, come to me in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You may be stressed. You may be full of anxiety. And 1 Peter verse 5, chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your cares on me because I care all about you. You may be fearful and you may be anxious and you just are gripped by fear. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. You may be dealing with guilt. You may be dealing with remorse. You may be filled with regret. But Romans chapter 8, verse verse 1 says, but there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You may be dealing with loss. Man, you're dealing with the loss of potential. You're dealing with the loss of a loved one. You're dealing with the loss of relationship. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 out of the message says, you're blessed when you feel like you've lost what's most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You may feel forgotten about and overlooked. And Psalms 139 says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You see, when we understand what the Word of God says about our situation, and when we understand, even though the lies may get loud, but we allow the truth to become louder. We can live out Psalms 100 that just simply says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I don't know where you are. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your circumstance is that you find yourself in. But if you're going to enter his courts with thanksgiving in your heart, if you're going to enter his courts with praise, if you're going to declare that this is the day that the Lord has made, I will be glad, I will rejoice and be glad in it. You've got to fix your thoughts on what is true, on what is lovely, on what is admirable, on what is praiseworthy, on what the Word of God says about your situation instead of what your emotions say about the situation because that's what leads you to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. You can learn to be thankful in all circumstances. And by golly, that's good preaching this morning. I close with this. I understand this week comes and it's, it's hard. I, I walk through life with our people. I know for a lot of us, this isn't an ideal week for you. I know for a lot of us, we are dealing with loss. We are dealing with heartache. We are dealing with hurt, and it's really hard to fix our thoughts. But hear me as your pastor. This isn't going to happen by chance, by coincidence, or by accident. You've got to be purposeful about fixing your thoughts so that you can be purposeful about being thankful in all circumstances. 
What are you counting this morning? What are you counting? Don't count, don't look at the creation, don't let your, your gaze, don't let your mind be fixed on creation, but keep your gaze fixed on your creator and start counting the blessings that God has put in your life so that you can be thankful in all circumstances. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. And God, I come before you and I just ask right now that Lord, man, this is a challenge for some of us today. God, your word doesn't say be thankful one day a week or one day a year. It doesn't say to be thankful just on Thanksgiving. It says to be thankful in all circumstances. And so, Lord, I ask that in this place this morning that you would just help us. Help us in this situation. Help us in this moment. Help us where, where we find our life at. Because, Lord, some of us, we don't want to be here, but it's where we are. And so, Lord, our, our, our tendency is to let our gaze, to let our attention, to let our minds be fixed on what is wrong. To count all that's going wrong instead of all that is going right. And so, Lord, I pray that in this place that you would help us count our blessings to look at your goodness, to understand the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. God, Lord, for us to take this information this morning and to apply it, that there would be application of your word to our life so that there would be transformation of our life. Lord, I, I pray that in this place that, God, we wouldn't just hear your word, but we would be doers of it. Lord, that we would not allow our blessings to turn into our burden. We wouldn't let the miraculous turn into the everyday, commonplace blessing. But Lord, this week we would just reflect on your goodness. And the Lord, as a result of our gaze being fixed on you, of our gaze being fixed on your word, even though our circumstances want to scream Otherwise, that our gaze would be fixated and made firm on your word, permanently placed there, that, God, we can enter your courts with thanksgiving in our heart. Man, we enter your courts with praise. And we live a life that is reflective and thankful for all that you've done because, God, you've been so good. God, you've been so good to every one of us. So, Lord, I pray that we would not be overwhelmed by our problems, but this week we would allow ourselves to be overwhelmed with your goodness to our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning, you say, Justin, you know what? I'm here. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you that chance. You know what, some of us, maybe we know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, but maybe we haven't. We're just not where we need to be in our relationship with Jesus Christ, and we need to recommit our lives. That's you, either one. I'm gonna count to three, and all I'm gonna ask you to do is raise your hand. And we're gonna lead you in a prayer that will change your life. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna call you out. We're just gonna lead you in a prayer because we believe God sees a hand and he changes a heart. When I get to three, if that's you, man, make the best, most important decision you can. One, Two, three, is there anyone here this morning you say, Justin, that's me. There's one and there's two. 
You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, there's three. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. There's three hands that are lifted. I just need to make a change. There's a, there's a change that I need to make in this place. There's one more hand. There's four hands. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, man, that's me today. There's, there's something I need to get right. Man, I, I need to accept Jesus Christ from my first time, or I just need to get things right. I need to get a right relationship with him, and I need to recommit my life. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these four individuals that raise their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or are in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.